Yeah, I'm speeding. Ashland. Okay. Is this thing on? Oh, that was a weird bloop. Yeah, it says you're recording. Awesome. I hope the sound works out. I think we're about to run into that problem. But anyway. I can hear you. Until my machine tells me, my brand new fucking Mac tells me that my sound doesn't work on Skype. Do you know what happened was once you started recording and it went into record mode, all that background static, the noise floor. Went away? Yeah. So the feds can hear us a lot clearer. They don't have anything better to do. They're just listening in to all of our digital hangouts. You know, playing a little DJ Nice, spying on everybody's shit. Uh, we're back. This is Lisa and Ian this week. Andre is taking a much-needed weekend off. He has been in Zoom University hell. Um, and he just needs to rest, that poor baby. He's, uh, he's just trying to get through it, like a lot of people who are trying to graduate, a lot of depressed people who are getting through it. He's soldiering on, and, and I think there's a much-needed reward and rest on the other side of this. So we're going to miss you, Andre, and normally he handles the YouTube part of this. So I'm just going to yeah. probably just start a fire and start Skynet. It's probably going to be like intermittent sound and video back and forth. It'll be great. Yeah. It would be high quality. And then Andre will feel really good about the fact that um, we need him. Um, you yeah. probably noticed something if you've been watching uh, the videos since uh, this is what our fourth, fifth video. If you've ever spied me, you're like, where the fuck is Lisa's hair? So I, I joined the teen shave club. I like a lot of folks. Ian jumped on board pretty quickly. You do this every once in a while, whether there's a pandemic or not. Yeah. You tend to shave. I mean, it was already short. I mean, I had that. Yeah. Mohawk for a couple of weeks, and then I had some other type of bullshit. So this, at least this, it's easy to take care of. I mean, it's kind of simple. We're kind of a far ways away from, I think, uh, at least in California, feeling really good about rolling up to getting your hair cut. So, yeah. and then you, we were driving back from Morongo Valley, and I was like, you know what would be cool is if I did the same thing. I haven't, uh, I had a Mohawk in college. Like a straight up like mohawk. The sh the sides were shaved bare. I had like foot long spikes down the center of my head, and it took a lot of work to maintain. I got to tell you, I went to a very small school, uh, for a small university, and I was the talk of the campus. I got to tell you, and then I had a lot of political activist uh, uh, little flags I would make to stick in the very ends of the spikes with a toothpick. And I would just print it out on the library copier at the school. And there'd be stuff like fuck Reagan or fuck Margaret Thatcher or whatever political statement of, uh, of the week, of the month. It's very activist-y. I was a young, scrawny activist. So, but then like, I had I developed neck problems because I would have to sleep a certain way so I wouldn't fuck up my mohawk. Because it took a lot to get it to stand up like that. A lot of gel and whatnot. And one day I got sick of it. It's like 10 months I had this thing, and I decided to just, I had to shave my whole head. So I went into class looking like a skinhead. I had to quickly tell some, uh, some of my classmates that I wasn't down with uh, the skinhead philosophy. And uh, we almost threw, almost threw down. But. Do you know what you can do? It's like you showed me that photo yesterday where you're going to let it grow out like here on the top. Yeah. That'd look cool. Yeah, I think I'm going to... Um, and I think then you can just keep the rest of it shaved. Kind of really short. There's a Kate, Asia Kate Dillon, 
who was on Orange is the New Black. She's also in John Wick 3. She's in a lot of other series. I'm really kind of going for the, the Asia Kate Dillon kind of look. So this is kind of burrhead now. It's down to almost the scalp, but I'm going to let it grow out a little bit. But I like, you know what I have to say? I like it. Uh, I cut off. I've been bleaching my hair, even as short as it is, for a while. And it gets fried. Yeah. So it was nice to kind of just start all over again. And there was like color too. So it was, it yeah. was sort of patchy. So you had to shut. You had to. It was nice just to reset. So I, I kind of like it. I also like the shape of my head. I had to say, you know, like nice shape of my head. good. So anyway, um, save your comments if they're negative. I really don't give a shit what you think. Uh, but if you have compliments, you know, thank you in advance. I appreciate compliments. I like compliments just like anybody else. Make me feel good. Uh, and people saying shitty things make me feel bad. So let's not do that. We have come to the conclusion of what series, what uh, season are we in in Better Call Saul? Uh, it's season six. Season six. No, no, season, yeah, season six. Then we just complete season right? five? I don't know. I should know this. I'm looking right at the fucking IMDb. I'm looking at it too, and there's six of them. We just completed six. We just completed six? I think so. Uh, we did not. Okay, so we just completed five then. Yes, season five. That yeah. sounds right. So what we yeah, are, that's what, right. So through our five seasons that we've seen, and this is the season before last. The the season six is the season. That's that's it for Better Call Saul. I have been amazed and surprised, uh, and delighted by what Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan have done with this character and how. It's just as good as Breaking Bad. It's just as interesting as Breaking Bad and just as engaging. And this season, it's just a masterclass in writing for television. It's a masterclass in storytelling, using your location. Um, New Mexico is a character at this point. Just... I can't say enough about the series and these actors and what this whole season has been because the big question is, we know what happens to Saul to a certain degree, to a certain degree, but we didn't even know that Kim Wexler existed in Jimmy's world when we met Saul Goodman. We didn't know he had a significant other. He's the kind of guy that you feel like, you know, he's a rat who just lives in the basement of his establishment. But as we've gotten to see who Jimmy was the complexities of how he got to break bad himself. And then Kim Wexler's here. And it looks like by the end of season five, she's becoming slipping Kimmy. Yeah. So the big question is going to be in season six, what the fuck happened to Kim Wexler? See that that's what we've been doing this whole, this whole time, just throughout the whole series is trying to see, you know, try to draw the, draw the line to what's going, what happened in breaking bad. Yeah. There's there's several characters that fall into that same t- sort of description where they don't show up. Or at least we don't think they do. We have to do a re- I have to do a rewatch. I don't. I had all day to do it and I didn't do it. I'm gonna do it real quick while we're sitting here. Michael Mando, who plays uh, Nacho Varga, one of my favorite characters in the series. Oh, they're all my favorites, frankly. They're just really hard to pick. But if you check his filmography, right? It's. He's not He's, in Better Call Saul. See, that's the thing. But it's just weird. We know Tuco is. Tuco, we know Crazy Eight is. Right. 
And it's interesting seeing Crazy Eight because when we when we're introduced to Crazy Eight in Better Calls, no, in, in um, Breaking Bad, he's you know he's he's got the um, the dog, yeah, and then the the dummy on the chain, and then Pinkman comes in, so he's like this toughened dude. But in Better Call Saul, he's still learning. I mean, yeah. he's like, you know, uh, Nacho is his you know superior, and he's still kind of like cowering for him yeah and also like because you you get from better call saw that story about how um crazy eight's family owns like the baby furniture place right right. and you see he could have gone down the path of nacho but he's decided you know he's got to double down on his nickname that lalo gives him and become you know crazy eight yeah and we know his fate he doesn't even make it out of like what episode two of breaking bad season one like that yeah. There's a lot of spoilers in here. I hope you guys read the spoiler tag. Need I repeat it here? I hope I didn't have to. But if you have not watched Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul up until you know the very yeah. last episode of season five, this is not the podcast for you right now. No. Please do come back. Uh, but we don't want to ruin, you know, I hope you weren't in here and just heard some stuff that you didn't want to hear. Um well, they'll be dis- they'll be in the in the description, it's right? In the description, yeah. please read the description. And honestly, it's you know, come on, look how long ago. It a was. lot of people are taking their time to get to Breaking Bad. Like, uh, like there are people who are just now getting around to the Wire, and you don't want to. I never see anybody spoil the Wire for people, so we should yeah, be like, yeah, that's true. Do you know? Watch Breaking Bad. Yeah, you're bumping around the, you're bumping around the camera. People are gonna think there's an earthquake oh, in California sorry. right now. There could be an earthquake in California. There's we literally a leg had right one. At me, so I'm hitting it. We literally had one under uh, like the 12:04 as it turned to Earth Day. We had a 3.7 shaker uh, that hit Los Angeles, and you could feel it everywhere. I was like, I don't like this shit. I was sitting on the side of the bed making like weird noises. I think I do this when I like I get afraid. I'm like, oh, 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 yeah. oh. No, I think you it's were very you were falling asleep. You were half asleep, I think. Yeah, I was in bed. Because I was still watching TV, and then it started shaking, and then yeah. you woke up like a couple seconds after it had started. Screeching. Yeah. Um, before we continue on talking about Breaking Bad, how are you feeling this week? What is your mood this week as we are in whatever week in, in quarantine? I haven't really properly counted it. No, but like the in in New York, it was day fifty two, so I think we're ahead of them. So maybe six. It depending on when you guys shut down. I think yeah. we're a week ahead of them, or maybe I, I don't know. I'm feeling like I'm I'm a, my schedule that I set up for myself. I haven't completely religiously adhered to it, but it has been a great way to moor my days. I've been working at home. For two decades, and I have a way to kind of moor myself into the day, and I go through kind of seasonal ways that I work. But I had to do a quarantine schedule so I wouldn't slip down any kind of hole, right? Ra- rabbit hole. So the schedule that I have set out for myself has really paid off. It allows for me to get up and exercise, and to get up my bath in. I have a daily bath. It allows me to kind of scroll through the news because there's so much news coming at us. I read a lot of uh, medical journal papers, New England, England Journal of Medicine, and drill down into that, and then JAMA's papers to kind of see where we are because, you know, we don't really have any true leadership at the top, so I want to, like, inform myself of that, see where our voting rights are headed. 
And then by one o'clock when my brain is all kind of settled down, I can actually write. So it's been working out so far. And then at the end of my day, which is four, I timed it that my day ended the same time that my cousin's does because uh, she gets out at 4.15 at her house after she does her sales calls. And then we can have digital happy hour a couple of nights a week. So I'm trying to getting getting into kind of that stride. And then I've noticed that you're really getting into the gardening. Yeah, I'm in the backyard working. Um, Is it your zen spot right now? I guess. I just, we need to get it done. So, and I can't afford to pay someone to do it. Yeah, no. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd pay somebody. Especially in this fucking neighborhood. You know, but fuck. It's like, just expensive. Like, That's, we're poor people you, who live in a bougie-ass neighborhood. I mean, because the neighborhood got gentrified and got bougie. So, you can't afford all the shit that your rich-ass neighbors afford. Like, we can't afford no damn gardener. No, this neighborhood here was always bougie. It's just like that, in- was. that, that level of income with inflation boosted up. So everyone else is... Well, there were two gentlemen with disposable income who built the house together. Yeah. So, all right, I see you, gay ghosts. Hi, hey, girls, hi. Um, yeah, but well, whatever. We ain't got that kind of money. No. But I just was hoping that you were kind of... Because you're growing your tomatoes right now, and you're yeah, trying just, to grow garlic. That yeah. it's possibly turning into something that is not just a chore. Well, you learn to you learn to un, uh, appreciate it, you know. Before it was like, oh, I'm not a big gardening fan. But if there's like a necessity, if there's a um, a reason to do it, then get out and do it. Plus, you know, get some tomatoes. I think, that, and I'm know. I'm excited because I'm gonna can again. The last time I canned, I think I was probably in high school, maybe early days of college. Um, because everybody had gardens and you would just get a bunch of peppers and tomatoes and stuff. And I loved to can. And then I found a non-pressure cooker, non-water bath way to seal the jars that I'm going to give a try. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Hopefully we we have enough. Hopefully we have enough to even can. I mean, I don't don't even know if shit's going to grow. Well, I think once you get started, once you get the hang of it, even if you have some failures, that the key is just like anything, just to keep going at it. And I think if we keep going at it, we'll we'll figure out the balance and we'll have tons of tomatoes. Like right now, really, everything's exploratory. It is. Because I have to, you know, I'm taking the whole, it's not a large backyard, but I'm pulling out all the shit that's already in there. Like the weeds that are like five feet tall they're fucking five feet tall man so and every every year i have to like weed whack them and then i don't have any way to pick them up and then they get all over the dog and they get inside so it's pretty crazy it's a whole it's a whole landscaping thing that i'm doing and it's not i'm not a landscaper so it's like okay but you know i'm excited because we've we finally decided we're going to grow proper grass back there we're going to put down a Six by six or whatever, eight by eight patch of sod for Haggis so he can luxuriate uh, his lower carriage, his undercarriage in the sun. Kid loves his vitamin D. He's, he's a very smart dog. He goes out there every morning and he suns himself. Uh, and now he just won't be full of uh, burrs and yeah. random shit from the yard. And then we'll throw grass seed around on the other sides. I yeah. know you guys are so excited about our, our yard. Um, like I just came to listen about Petter Call Saul. What the fuck are they talking about? You obviously are new here. Um, let's talk about this cast. I've seen Bob. The I was introduced to Bob Odenkirk back in the day when he was part of. What was it 
Bob and Dave. It was it was Odenkirk and Dave Cross, and they used to do their own wacky comedy. It was a very specific brand of comedy. And they had a, a TV show for years. They were kind of outsiders, avant-garde, incredibly talented, inc- incredibly weird. And Bob has been one of those guys that you see him and stuff, and he's usually playing some sort of like, put it this way, he used to be the Will Arnett before Will Arnett was a thing, before Will Arnett was famous. And I could take him or leave him. So he, like, he was like he had a like a sort of a humor bent to him comedy. Yeah, yeah he him and uh, him and David Cross, um, I think it was Mr. Show or something like that. I want to say that they had together, and I had just kind of an, an really unfair to Mr. Odenkirk. I had written off him off as just like this, I don't know, guy not to be taken too seriously. So when he shows up in Breaking Bad, I'm like, oh, there's that guy. He must be affordable. Something mean like that, I thought. And he ended up being surprisingly good, even in Breaking Bad, playing the heel. And it's a side of him I had never seen. And I was just like, oh, shit. Bob Odenkirk can act. Um, and I had no idea. So he had the series with uh, David Cross in 1998. Uh, it ran from 1995 to 1998. And that's what kind of put him on the board but he was also on the Larry Sanders show news radio he would just appear up everywhere he's got like 117 titles to his name but I had no idea that this guy had this kind of chops I had no fucking clue so Odenkirk is a delight to watch but we didn't even know we were looking for Jonathan Banks until we got Jonathan Banks oh my ear is itching like a crazy person sorry you know you get that inner ear itch sorry um i swear to god i've cleaned my ears today very thoroughly and i took a bath so don't be ooked out uh so jonathan banks plays uh mike Trout. he's amazing yeah we didn't even know we were looking for this guy and now i would watch jonathan banks in anything he there's not a whole lot of words on better call Saul. they don't like it's not a wall-to-wall scripted show they let these episodes breathe and I feel like Jonathan Banks has mastered these almost wordless scenes. He looms so large in them and he doesn't say a word. I mean, I'm still like his his early days of when we first meet him and he comes to town and he's got the whole pimento cheese situation going on when he's just handling business and all these clowns are trying to like roll around Albuquerque trying to do all these deals, and he's like, what are you doing? Like, he just knows who the fuck he is. Or was that from Breaking, Breaking Bad? I'm, you know, I'm trying to remember when I, I meet him. And this is the funny thing, is like, even in Breaking Bad, I knew this character was interesting. Yeah. And, but I didn't really pay a lot of attention to him until Better Call Saul, and I'm like, oh, I'm, you know... So I want to go back and watch Breaking Bad. Well, I got obsessed with Mike and Breaking Bad because I kept worrying about him. I'm like... Yeah, like when we get to the point where we see what happens to him, it's like... Because everyone in Walt's path is in danger. No one is left unscathed. And worst of all is that he is, you know... Spoiler alert! Huge spoiler alert! Huge spoiler alert for Breaking Bad. Um, And Better Call Saul, if you think about it. Mike is... I mean... Walter White is Mike's executioner. Yeah. Does he make it all the way through Breaking Bad? I don't remember. 
Who, Mike? Yeah. Um, no. Towards the end of the season? It's toward the end of, of the, the series? series. Yeah. Yeah, when he's Mike on the is run. He's squaring up. Yeah. And just seeing all of this history and all this traction and how fucked up it was before Walter even came on the scene. Yeah. Before Walter White decided that he wasn't going to be a humble science teacher slowly dying of cancer, you know, and barely making ends meet, before that guy broke bad and decided to become, you know, Heisenberg, the cartel and um, Giancarlo's uh, character, Gus Fring, and Mike, um, and all of these players, Nacho Varga, Tuco, Lalo, and, you know, the, we under, we get to meet Salamanca before he's in the wheelchair with his bell. Yeah. It was already in this very contentious place. And then you're like, you're watching this happen. It's like this collision course that's, that's leading up to season six of like, wow. They didn't see Walter White coming. They had no idea Walter White was going to happen until Walter yeah. White happened. I think, I think that the two stories at this point where we are now, I think the two stories are already overlapping because we've already right. we've already built the down we've already built the uh, the cook station. Um, Gail has already been downstairs there. We've already met Gail. Right. Um, so I'm thinking by now he's already put all the machinery down there, and when we meet Walter White, that place is brand new. Yeah. When he comes down there. So by the time Walter gets down there, he's already been cooking for quite some time, maybe a maybe a month or two. Right. And they're kind of like trying to remember it becomes like the whole supply chain thing with Walter and Jesse. That's right. The first thing he does is he steals all of the supplies that he can from the school. Yeah. Then the janitor gets nailed with that. And it the the issue becomes that Walter has to find all of his components to make the the blue crystal meth. In huge batches, because then, you know, as as the empire literally becomes an empire, this becomes the thing. And I dare say when the entire season is over, the mother of all binge watches is to watch Better Call Saul all six seasons and then start watching Breaking Bad. Yeah. That is what 14 seasons of television that... I don't know if there's anything else that compares to that. It's a perfect prequel. It's a perfect prequel. I think I think in season six we start off this the the season meeting. Um, somehow we're gonna meet uh, what's his name, um, Captain Cook. Uh, Are they gonna de-age Aaron Paul? Yeah, we're gonna meet his. Character. Are they gonna shrink him? I know. De-age right? him. He looks so young. He's a child. Yeah. And Aaron Paul had had no acting background. He, I feel like he was that guy on some level. You know, he was just like this hapless kid. And now I'm like, I'm really hoping that Aaron is, you know, I, I don't hate Aaron Paul. I think he's a lovely guy. I just would like to see him get some chops on him. He's not without chops. He just probably could develop them. It's like it's like he was he was like perfectly set for that character at that time. Right, and I'm hoping that he won't you know. get that one-and-done curse that a lot of actors do. They fit the character, but if you try to plug them into like another role and be ubiquitous like actors are supposed to, that's yeah. your trade, some just don't make the cut. I mean, yeah. and you can see it from a mile off as an audience member. You're like, after this series ends, you'll never see this person again. 
Um, but I'm glad that Aaron's found a his path. He's on Westworld he's this on season. Westworld now, yeah. Yeah, I think you know, and it's he's not terrible on Westworld. I just I'm not feeling the plot on Westworld yeah, right now. I don't know what's going on. Thing. I know a lot of people love the whole steampunk techno shit that's going on in Westworld, and I'm like, I don't hate change. I just don't know what I'm watching. Yeah, I'm gonna let them all um, accrue, and then I'll, I'll sit down with it, and, and we'll see you and I how we feel about it. Um, one of the biggest gifts to me from this show, besides you know more of uh, Odenkirk and Jonathan Banks, is Rhea Sehorn. Um, I don't know where you came from. She's like my Ashley Atkinson that that I discovered on. Uh, Ashley had been around. She had been in many many things I had seen before, but when she popped as Janice, as the baddie on on uh, Mr. Robot, I'm like I can't. I'm so glad I know that Ashley Atkinson exists, right? So Rhea's like that. It's like I'm never not going to know what she's doing. I'm going to track her career. I'm going to stay with her for the rest of her career. I've done that with so many actors, like we've talked about many times on this podcast. I track actors like people track stars. I kind of have a little, I don't know how I collect them. I guess I collect them just in my mind. And their names will popped up, and thank God for IMDb. It saved my life. I can sit there and go, oh, oh that's what he's doing. That's And sometimes I'll just check in on an actor and go, oh, what's Shane Taylor doing right now? But Rhea and, and Ashley Atkinson, Rhea Seahorn and Ashley Atkinson's are like, they're, they're like, I just want to see what these women do. Do you remember seeing uh, Rhea on Veep? Was she? Yeah, it says she was on Veep. Holy shit. In 2019. So okay. it's just that that I think finale year. That's another series I need to drag you back to and we need to like clock a few. It's like one of those sh- it's you know what you know what Veep is like it's like Brooklyn 99 or Parks and Recs or The Office. You have to get into the rhythm of it. And it's just deadly funny. It, it's it's deadly funny. And but you kind of have to be in the mood to start. She out. also voiced somebody on American Dad. From 2009 to yeah. 2019. I've never, I don't watch American, American Dad. I've watched a, a lot of American Dad. I found it quite hilarious, but I just, you know. It's just like, I've, I just haven't seen anything else that she's in except for Better Call Saul. It's funny. She's a very much like uh, Anna from Veep. Um, mm. Patrick Fabian. He is an unsung hero to me of Breaking Bad. He plays Howard Hamlin. He's all teeth and hair. But he plays this character that we've seen so many times with such a vulnerability that that is a guy with talent. I feel like Patrick Fabian, someone needs to make sure they're booking this guy for work as yeah. soon as the show wraps because he's really got chops. I love yeah. watching him. It's like when you first meet him in the first early episodes and seasons, like this guy is such a douchebag. Yeah. And then when you get to where you, he is now, it's like, you know what happened to you? And I feel like I he's, feel bad. I feel bad I for do. the character. Yes. I'm like, oh, it's like it's like you now you're the dude who like everyone gets it around you, and you're the only one who's walking around with shit on your face. He's kind of got this curse. Uh, this actor does is like these really beautiful blonde actors. They they were the shit back in the you know 60s, 70s, 80s. That's what you wanted. Early 90s, you wanted the blonde guy with the teeth, and now those guys are bad guys. Um, 
because all the the interesting looking people, at least with men, they still want their women to be like super pretty. But I still I love that Raya is not that she's not your typical, you know. But like he's one of these guys where he's played this character to perfection, and he's I just love him as Howard Hamlin, and I would like yeah. to see more. I'm gonna track Patrick's character uh, career as well. Michael Mando can't say enough about this guy. I he's so compelling as Nacho Varga. I had no idea I would be this invested in Nacho. You know, he's not a henchman that comes and goes. We know it drives him. I'm still curious about him. He has obviously two girlfriends. He lives in a nice place, but the biggest threat to him is that what the cartel has hanging over his dad. Um, you're worried for Nacho. You're worried for Kim Wexler. And at the end of that season, with him trying to pull some shit on Lalo, I'm like, yeah. the jig is up now. And because we don't see Nacho in the cartel's world during Breaking Bad, you're like, oh, shit. Did he get away? I mean, it's 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 going to a head somewhere. It's he, crazy. He wants out. They, you know, they won't let him out. Yeah, and he's just like, I don't want to be here. So we're it, something's gonna happen. Something's gonna snap. For me, that. a lot of these characters are about loneliness. I I feel lonely for 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 Saul. I feel lonely in Mike's world. I feel lonely in Kim's world. Even even though she has Saul. There's a solitary, solitariness. That's not a word, but you know what I mean. Like everyone's kind of like this lone figure. Yeah. And I feel that way about Nacho as well. Like I feel like he just lives in this very lonely world where he's just—I don't know. They—they they all, all of these characters have a um, like an underneath to them. Like you know those people who are like, you look at them and you get to know them, and like there's something a little bit more there. They all have that. There's yeah. no superficial character. Yeah, and again, like I, I've been missing Chuck McGill even as much as he was the bane of Saul's existence or Jimmy's existence. I miss Michael McKeon. Now, Michael McKeon is probably one of my favorite actors. If you, you want to say top 20, I'm always going to put Michael Ke- McKeon in there because the guy is like a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. He's like what I found out Bob Odenkirk is. You know, Michael McKeon is, he can sing, he can produce, he can direct. He can write. He can act the shit out of a scene. He doesn't chew the scenery. He just he's very generous uh, to watch in, in scenes with other actors. And I'm feeling I miss him. Um, I feel his presence kind of looming large over this this season. I can't say enough about Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah, I saw him as a very young young man, a baby really, um, and do the right thing. And I want to say, is it true? Let me go back all the way to the beginning of Gus uh, Giancana, Giancarlo's uh, career. I want to say that he was in Basquiat with Jeffrey Wright, a very young uh, Jeffrey Wright and a very young um, Del Toro. Was Del just, Toro? Yeah, he was with Del Toro in that. What year did that fucking film come out? I'm there. Hold on. See if you're watching this on YouTube. You, I'm scrolling <laughs> through IMDb. So you do the right thing. 
1989, he plays Bugging Out. He's the one who kind of, he is sort of like the guy who starts the bullshit that makes the big incident and do the right thing happen. He's like, yo, 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 Sal, why are they in the you know, like black people on the wall? And gets Mookie all stirred up. He was also in Mo Better Blues. So him and like, him and Spike were like tight. They did a lot of stuff together. He was also in Night on Earth. Uh, if you've ever seen that, that's um, Jim Jarmusch. He was in Malcolm X. He was in Bob Roberts. Do yourself a favor. 1992. Um, please watch this film, Bob Roberts. It's really, it's got a lot of your favorites. Tom Robbins, Alan Rickman, Ray Wise. You got to watch it. It's really good. It's political, very timely. Never goes out of style. I'm trying to find out when he did, did he do Basquiat? Maybe I'm just imagining that. I just cast him in a film he wasn't in. <laughs> but um, just I've been watching him since the day, and I just, anything he's in, I, he's one of those actors I've tracked, and when he popped up in this, I was like, oh, shit, that got Esposito. Carrie Condon, I have to say she's a, an underrated player to play Stacey Trout. As much as I don't understand the motivation behind some of the stuff that, that Stacey does, I feel like they always leave one of these characters out in the cold. In Breaking yeah. Bad, I, but yeah. I want to say it was um, what the um, the wife. Wh- whose wife? Uh, Walt Walter's wife no, or well, Hank's wife? Hank's wife. They tried to do a little thing with her little her klepto thing, and yeah. then it was just like, well, I feel like Stacy is has not gotten enough love in the writers' yeah. room. She um, she d- yeah. Now that you mention it, she does come up. She is that one. She's that's not. She's like, not a stupid woman, and I don't think that they give this character enough credit for her to go. Mike, you make your money illegally. You gave me a fucking house. Yeah. Like honestly, people in this kind of dire straits, after losing your dude, and then your father-in-law comes to town. I mean, he, so he blurts something out at uh, your stupid group thing you're going to. I'm sorry. I'm like making fun of. That whole group thing. I'm, I don't know. I've been in a lot of group settings. and Well, I mean, like. That, then, and then she gets mad at him for yelling at her daughter. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I get it. He yelled at your daughter. But y'all acting really stupid about this. In, yeah. a, in a show that gets everything else right, I just don't believe that moment. I don't believe that it causes her not to want to see him. It's like she feels out of place and out of time in the world. And I feel like they're not giving her enough um, enough brain time in the writer's room. Just a criticism, better call Saul. Sorry, guys. Jennifer Hutchinson's going to like write me and go, you don't know shit. Um, were you going to say something and I cut you off? No, I was just like, you know, they could have made, I don't know what they could have done, but they just make her more part of the story. It's not like this other thing. It's like she's the only attachment to the normal Someone who has no idea of all this craziness that's going on around them. Yeah, I would like her to be um, not scoldy at all. I'd yeah. like to see her go, cool, word up. He's got this money illegally. I'd like for her to like get it, and there's like a silent relationship between the two of them where 
they both know what's up. They just don't talk about it. Exactly. And she's protecting him. Exactly. Like, you know, something happens and she's a nurse and she's got to maybe somehow stealthily take some medicine out of the cabinet. Yeah. Because she's got to save someone Thank in her, you. Fran- her, you know, her family. She's the one doing like garage surgery yeah. on people exactly. because she's like, she's a down bitch. Here's the thing. Y'all got to stop writing women like this. And when Vince Gilligan does it, I'm still like, I see that there's a problem. To all the writers out there who are writing um, anything with women in them, you know, give them a fucking purpose. It can be small, but make it believable. I just don't like her as being like this scoldy woman. She doesn't need to be like, you know, Elizabeth Jennings or anything. No, but she could also still be a down bitch. We don't see enough of it. We don't see enough of people going, got it. I got a house out of this. You protected me. You're holding down the fort. You know what I mean? They didn't do that with Skylar either when we thought yeah. at the end of Breaking Bad that she was going to get on board. Yeah. She's like, I mean, you would have been like, okay, so I've been putting up with all this shit because of this. I understand why. Let me help. You were to die. You found a purpose. I just, I just would love to see a series where she's like, got And not it. just that. I understand you because it does a disservice to women. I just like, I got to tell you, there's a lot of us who would just be like, oh, so there's a bag of money. I got to put it in the ceiling. Okay, fine. I mean- you know who did this right to a certain degree and who got all the intricate, um, got all the women pretty much right. Someone's going to fight me on this is um, David Chase with Sopranos. Cause you know, Carmen, what's her name? I'm sorry. Carmela. Carmela. Carmela was not sitting around going, Oh my God, you're the mob. She knew what she was into. And when the feds rolled up, she was shoving. She, they just went into their like mode, and she's she's shoving bags of money into the ceiling. And the Fed shows up, and she's like, "I don't have to tell you shit." Yeah. Like she just goes into mob boss wife when she's still trying to le- she's still trying to live this legitimate life out in the suburbs and get a meadow into like this high end Ivy League school. She still knows that she's like fucking married to the fucking mob. Well, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like I I would just like to see her be like. Word up, yeah. Maybe it's a maybe it's like a, a cultural thing because did did their kids try un- know what they were doing? Not until later, right? Yeah, I mean, I think they tried, they tried to they were shelter. trying to shelter them from that, yeah. and that's more of like you know a, an American I don't know a white thing. You want to shelter your kids from the evil that you're doing. Well, I think they were trying to do it because I wanted to like break or off and maybe be legitimate. A, like a, there was a lot. Of, you got to watch that Sopranos is a whole other show. But um, yeah, I mean that's that's something I would I would love to watch Sopranos with you and have this conversation. I would do a Sopranos watch and do a Sopranos podcast. Yeah, I started it. I just it just got. I mean that was like a year ago, and I guess it got busy. I think maybe it maybe you know maybe you in know. the pandemic it might be the time. Who knows? Um, can we talk about Mark Mongolis? He plays Hector Salamanca. I can't say enough. This guy's in a wheelchair. Yeah. He's banging on a bell with a finger. And all he's doing is like doing his stroke face. And he's still just killing it. He's killing it. He hasn't said one fucking word in like, what, how many seasons? He's literally in the entire franchise. Yeah. Probably spoken four pages of dialogue all told. And he's killing it. Well, at the beginning of uh, beginning of Better Call Saul, when we first meet him, the dude's brutal. Yeah. And when he's all when he's all there, I mean, the yeah. guy is like the Sama- the Salamancas are batshit. Yeah. They're batshit. Yeah. Who is is Tuco a Salamanca? Yeah, and that's the thing They're is that crazy. I don't know if we skipped over, but the guy who plays Lalo, Tony Dalton. Yeah, we're getting to him. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Let's get to it. He just, I mean, he represents what. You know, that that fear that you would get when you were around Tuco, just like perfectly. He's carrying that same, you know, Salamanca sort of characteristic. Just, even, a, just a gleeful psychopath. Yeah. 
And even like when he when he takes uh, Nacho down to to the compound, he's like, "Ah, oh, you're gonna be a Salamanca soon." You know, it's like, and he's like, "Oh man, no, I didn't." Because no, you, you and you see to the degree. Okay, so Tuco flies off the handle, and is basically uh, the bad end of the Salamanca spectrum. There's literally no impulse control, and the guy has a serious drug problem. Whereas Lalo is on the other end of the spectrum where he's running shit. He's in control. He knows how to treat the old man. He knows how to show respect. He's super intuitive and super smart. And bitch has a compound and has an El Chapo tunnel under yeah. his bathtub. Well, I think I think Tuco was the same way. You know, he was very, very intelligent. He oh, could, Tuco was intelligent? Yeah, you can put... He, Put things together. He just had a drug call and he a drug problem, and he was yeah. and he had a, a temper a problem, but he would put things together really quick. They are intuitive, you know. And he was like he was the same with his grandpa. Remember, he would be up close to his grandpa, and he's like, "What is it? What do you need to tell me?" And they had that same sort of un, you know, because by that point he had gotten to the bell thing. We understood where that was from, right? And then when it was like, "Okay, I need to ask him." I mean, watch Breaking Bad, and you'll see. You know, Tuco is. Formidable, just like Lalo. I think I'm scared every time I see Lalo. He scares the shit out of me because you know nothing good's gonna happen. And then that that one scene where he goes into the um, to Kim and uh, um, Jimmy's place. Best scene in the entire. So far in the series, there's been some there's been some showstoppers for sure. Uh, I'm not gonna do a top ten list, but this scene where Lalo comes to Kim. And saw in Jimmy's house, a condo, apartment, whatever. And Mike's outside, you know, with the sniper bead on his the side of his head. You're like, holy shit, yeah. the show does really high stakes well. And the dialogue, fucking believable, what Kim says to Lalo. Yeah. And, and how, how does Saul live without her? And does he? Is but, she waiting yeah. in Omaha for him at the end of this? See that that's right. That's the thing they they do just masterfully is, you know, the storytelling and the dialogue. There's no camera tricks in this thing. No. There's no I mean like there's one scene that comes to mind is right after that uh the the Poyos Hermanos gets burnt down and it's it's Gus and Mike and they're in the back of this burnt building and all it is is just you know, the medium shot and then the coverage and it was just like and I got the chills just watching it. Yeah. You know, there's none, you know, you don't have to do a wonder or all this other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, such a good show. Cast to perfection. Uh, everybody who's on screen serves their purpose. Like I said, I really, I feel like Carrie Condon, who's very talented, needs, if you guys are listening to this podcast, give her a reason. Give her a badass moment. If you've already written it for season six and I need to show it up my ass, fine. If you haven't and you want to pretend like uh, you were going to do it all along at my suggestion, awesome. Um, I don't even need a shout out. I just want you to treat her right. Um, all the white guys, I should say, all the lawyer types played very well. Uh, you have Rick Schreikert. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say this right. It's a, it's a, it looks like a Greek last name, Dennis. Buddha Sakaris? Yeah. Um, he's the guy who hires Kim and is, you know, being being the guy going, you know, we're going to take you to the moon, baby. 
He's great. Then Kevin uh, Rex Lynn plays Kevin Wachtel, and I, I love this character. Yeah, I yeah. think he's a guy that exists in real life. Both he's the Mesa Verde guy, right? Yeah, both yeah. Rick and Kevin. They I feel like they exist in real life. Like these are people who are drawn from. Well, it's like we've seen that dude before. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Rex Lynn. Let's look at his uh, IMDb real quick. So he's been in. Starting from the most recent stuff, he was in Young Sheldon. I haven't seen that series. Um, the L Word, Bad Dream. I don't know what that is. The Drone. He was in the Kaminsky Method. There you go. Uh, but if, look, how many titles? 102. Chances are you've seen him many times. He's in Lethal Weapon, the uh, series. Waco. Uh, I keep seeing this pop up on Netflix. Should we watch Waco? Yeah, totally. I don't know. Get your Koresh on. Get your Koresh on. I was just watching something on them the other day. I was. Uh, I remember like being in my living room and... Uh, Huntsville, Alabama, and I lived on Whitesburg Drive, and I was doing some cleaning. It was a Saturday, and the, I, w- I always had it on CNN. If I didn't have a movie in, I didn't have it on HBO or a movie playing because I just would wear out my VHS tapes. I know I'm that old, whatever. Who gives a shit? Uh, I can't help it. I got VHS tapes. But, you know, but uh, I remember that whole story going down. Was that 94? Something like that. Janet Reno, right? Yeah, 94, 93. Well, okay. What did what did they do? I mean, not to get out of topic, but they. Okay. Now they, here's what happened. They 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 went in initially. They 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 sent in their guys in, and then the 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 occupants. Well, let's, know, let's back up. So here's what was going on. That the compound was a religious group. They're deep in the heart of Waco. Um, well, actually, on the outskirts of Waco. And the rumor had been that... Deep in the heart. Of, deep it's in the like heart of, two blocks into the city because two blocks out, you're out exactly. of the city. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. Touche. Uh, so they had this compound and, you know, there's all these rumors flying around in this place. And there was sort of like this talk of child brides, right? Yeah. Um, and they couldn't really get anything done with the child bride thing with David, you know, diddling young children. So then they, a rumor was started or intel was passed around. I think that might have even embedded in a fed with uh, the with group. With that group? Wow. Who was witnessing this. And, and I think he talks about there's a stockpile of weapons because they were a doomsday cult, right? Um, so the feds decide to roll up. Now, I'd have to watch the series to see, but I remember... It's ATF. Yeah, ATF goes in. And, and they weren't just, they like a brand new... Um, yeah, they were, group. they were they were buck wild. Really They're green. what the ICE agents are now. ICE is just like they're just rolling crazy. They just got more money. Well, than they, they don't even have ATF anymore. They've 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 been acquired into another group. Well, they were absorbed into Homeland, but I think oh, that's they what still it right, operate Homeland. as the ATF. Oh. But but it's interesting to see like interesting to see watching it that day. I'm like y'all knocking the whole motherfucking side of the building down. That tank, yeah, and killed pretty much everybody. So. That was not the way to do it. No. And I don't know what y'all thought was going to happen. I don't know. Ruby Ridge was just a little bit before yeah, that. Yeah, that was like, a, what, a year or two before? Yeah. And then, you know, we had, I don't, I can't remember the results. I think it was like, was it Waco, Ruby Ridge, and then McVeigh blows up the building in Oklahoma? I think it was Ruby Ridge, Waco, and then. Was it? Yeah. 
Anyway, a lot of crackers were mad and they were uh, they, their guns and their child brides and the feds overreacted and you had two sides that were just out of control. And the next thing you know, OKC happens and 186 people that prior to 9-11, that was the worst. Uh, and I guess you could still count Pearl Harbor in this prior to, to prior to that stuff. This was the largest domestic attack or attack on American soil we had had. Now we got COVID-19, which is attacking us and through our leadership incompetence. Scarier. Um, back to Bre uh, Better Call Saul. I've I, I read a lot of articles in the beginning of this series saying like how, why Saul and what are you going to do with this? I had, I really was ready to poo-poo this, even though it was the mighty Vince Gilligan and the mighty Peter Gould. I don't know what, and it still had Jennifer Hutchison in there. All these, all these writers that I followed their careers. I'm like, I don't know why I thought it was just going to be lame. Um, maybe it was because I had those predisposed feelings about Bob Odenkirk, but I had to say I was summarily by the end of the pilot for better call Saul. I had shut my mouth. I had yeah. shut my mouth. That scene with the twins trying to pull uh, a racket and Jimmy encounters Tuco Salamanca over the biznatch comment and he's taken out to the desert and everyone's going to die and he talks his way out of it. That's how we meet Jimmy McGill pre-Saul Goodman. It's a wild ride. It really is. We popped in the pilot for Breaking Bad last night. And the motherfucker just hits the ground running. Yeah. And so does Better Call Saul. There's not a throwaway episode. There's not an episode where you're like, why am I watching this? Everything counts. Everything organically makes sense. I mean, it's a couple of things. There's always holes in everything. We're human beings. I haven't met a writer yet who's just written the most perfect story ever that it hasn't had some sort of like slippage in a plot hole. I mean, I know you're going to come at me and give me like 20 examples, but then I'd have to go watch all that shit or read all that shit or listen to all that shit. And let's just agree to disagree. I just feel like as human beings, our story, we're all um, unreliable narrators. Yeah. Even in writer's rooms. So if you haven't seen any of this stuff, I don't know why you're here. <laughs> if you're a person who just likes to have your shit spoiled, maybe that's your kink. Um, go and watch it. Seriously, go and watch. And I would do, wait for, do it. Wait, just to wait for whenever the fuck they're going to shoot uh, Better Call Saul. Probably looks like it's going to be 2022. <laughs> they just finished shooting the the last one recently. Did they? Yeah. So they've already got season six in the can. No, 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 no. I mean, they just wrapped um, season five. Season five. Yeah. So we don't know when we're going to get back to normal. We don't know when we're going to see this show yeah. uh, or any of our shows get back to work. You get back to work because this is your bread and butter. I just, you know, I hope it's not too long. I hope we find a vaccine that's workable, and I hope that we're all here to see it. But I can't wait to see how the story turns out. Yeah? Yep. Any other manner of business? I think that is it. Um, 
I do want to say we are having a good time watching this season of What We Do in the Shadows. I can't say enough about how uplifting. If you just want to escape and not think about where we are in the world, it's one of those shows, What We Do in the Shadows. If you have Hulu, you can watch Effects on Hulu. Or if you have cable, you can watch it there. I don't know if they're making it available on YouTube. Uh, there's the movie What We Do in the Shadows, but this is Jermaine and Taika's series version and I want to say we're in season three. Maybe no, we're in season, season two. two. Okay. Season two. Um, also, uh, I meant to do this at the top of the podcast, but there's a, a podcast out there that just launched. It's called Ordeal Podcast. They're out of Croatia. Word big ups to uh, you guys. The Ordeal Podcast. Check them out. I'm assuming they're on all of the platforms, but I know for sure they're on SoundCloud because that's how they reached out to me. So... Go check them out. I think their first um, podcast is about is Drake White debatable. Um, I feel like there's a great article that I that I just encountered. I want to leave you guys with this because we always try to leave you with tips, not just just try to be somebody, but I feel like I want to be helpful on this platform as much as I can be. I think we all, we all feel this way. All three of us do. There's a great article in Inc. Dot com, inc.com, and the headline is to be more resilient in a crisis, focus on meaning and not happiness. What I love about this article is that it kind of goes into how we adapt. I have a friend who also has a podcast, um, uh, The Notable Woman, and one of the things that she has been talking about is this toxic positivity that people are like, everything's fine. Let's all be fine. Let's all sing songs and be merry and be happy. When her whole thing is like, we need to embrace the fact that shit is bad and shit is fucked up and it's scary. And we have to step into that darkness and embrace it as best we can and however reasonable way we can and, and then deal. I think depending on who you are and your triggers, I can see both sides of that. But I love this article. So you get a chance. Um, we got, I can post it up on uh, our Facebook page. How about that? Share the link there because that's a good place to, to share it. But I really want you guys to, uh, has your period started yet? I'm looking at my health log and it's like asking me about my period. Bitch, I ain't seen my period in a year and a half. Anyway, um, why are you asking me that? So this the, the title again is to be more resilient in a crisis focus on meaning, not happiness. And see what you think. It's a Harvard professor a Nobel laureate and an author offer some of the same advice that you may um, you may feel like that you ring with. If you're a person who's just like, fuck all that, I love my positivity, I'm going to watch Tony Baker comedy on IG, just narrate um, dog and animal videos. Also, you do you, that's fine. Some of us shave our head and try to pretend like we're normal right now. None of us are normal. We're all having those dreams. We're all freaking out in our own ways. We're all dealing with stress. It's a very uncertain time. I get you. I feel you. I wish I could make it go away. I really do. D-Nice took three or four days off. People are freaking out. Uh, but I have to say the most wonderful thing that I saw this week was Leslie Jones and Leslie Jordan jumping in into IG and having a quick conversation and in the short, glorious period of time that they talk, it just, it made me kind of, although I hate just massive death and the horrible time and the fear and the, the things that grip us, 
I also love that we have these moments where this was possible. I just wish it didn't take a pandemic for these greats to come together. But Leslie and Leslie talking to each other, it made me weep with joy. It was so delightful. I hope there's more of that. Someone please give them a fucking show. That's all I got. Um, I'm like you. I'm trying to figure out not to be not how not to be helpless, but some days I am. I'm just trying to. I'm just taking it one step at a time. Sometimes I can't even look at the whole day. I can't even look that far into the future. I just do one step at a time, one task at a time. Sometimes the task is sitting on the couch and just watching episode after episode of Monk. Uh, mission accomplished. So don't be too hard on yourself. Don't worry too much, even though that is asking the impossible of people. If you have family on the front lines of this, let's just do the best we can. You know, I've had some dark days in my life. I'm sure you've had darker, a lot of you. I don't know. I hope you're well. I hope you're okay. I hope you're safe. Um, and I hope you are loved. And if you need some love from us, here it is. We love you. Uh, Ian, any kind of words of wisdom you want to share as we peace out? Six feet distance. Six, 12 feet. Yeah. Wash your hands. You I'm going to do a no feet distance with this bottle of yellow tail. Yeah. Uh, we're about to make some bean tacos, some black bean tacos. He made some black bean tacos last night that knocked my fucking socks off. Well, I wasn't wearing any shoes, but you know what I mean. They were delicious. We're about to go do that. You guys take care of yourself, and we will see you next week. Bye. <laughs>